bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, I'm excited to have our first returning guest, Ariane Gasser. Ariane has been a communication professor at Villanova University, where she's taught classes in interviewing, negotiation, and professional communication. She has a master's degree in strategic communication, and she's currently a product manager at Intergage, which is a software company that helps companies build and sustain a strong culture. Welcome, Ariane. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Today's topic is asking the right questions in an interview for both the interviewers and the interviewees. For our newer listeners, Ariane appeared on an earlier episode of the podcast talking about strategic communication, and her content there ties strongly to what we're discussing today. So if you missed it, go back to episode 11 and check it out. It continues to be our most popular episode, and that content is still very relevant. Actually, I was at a conference last week where one of the presenters was sharing a survey of learning and talent leaders who self-identified that strategic decision-making continues to be one of the top opportunities they want to work on. So both of these episodes are very timely to help us all continue to be more strategic. And I think it's a journey. I don't think you get there and you're like, wow, I am so strategic now. I think you do things that help you become more strategic. And then you do things and you go, I wish I would have said or done something differently. Don't you agree? Oh, yes, definitely. There's always room to be more intentional, more strategic, and you just have to learn along the way. Absolutely. So you've been on our show before, but for our newer audience members, maybe you could give us a little quick refresher on who you are and what you do in your current role. Absolutely. Most of my career has been in professional services, including several years as a recruiter for an executive search firm where I helped our clients find talent uh, for their important leadership positions. So I definitely use interviewing in that context. And I'll pull a lot from what I learned during that role for today's conversation. As you mentioned, I've been an adjunct professor of communication at Villanova, which is where I got my master's. And my favorite course that I've taught there over the years is interviewing. So again, relevant for today. Um, My students for interviewing are communication majors, but I tell them that regardless of what career they pursue, being skilled at asking great questions will benefit them. Uh, And I'm actually living proof of that in my current role as a product manager at Energage. My job is to identify market opportunities by understanding our customers and their problems so we can build quality software products for them. And product decisions shouldn't be made in isolation. They really need to solve real problems that exist in the world. And so in my role, I conduct market research surveys and I interview current, past, and future customers. And that all involves strategic questions and um, strategic interviewing. The thread throughout all of my different roles uh, and companies has really been uh, asking great questions in order to get the information I need uh, for whatever my goal in my uh, position is. What a critical skill. And I love how this ties to being strategic. 
So if you think through a little bit more what you're asking based on what you need to get, you know, and what information you need to be able to make the best decisions, or in our case today, hire the best person. So in our last episode, uh, we talked about job fit and interviewing was a critical part of assessing the fit. And we know it can be pretty costly if you don't hire the right person and it's not a fit for them or the company. Mm -hmm. I think our last guest, Sonia, said it could be two to three times the salary to actually find that next person and to deal with the turnover. You haven't gotten, you know, your return on that investment. So it can be pretty costly. So I think today's content is going to help them make even better decisions. So when you're coaching someone who's recruiting for an important role, How do you help them to assess the job fit in the interview? Yeah, so the interview is a critical process of assessing fit. In order to assess job fit and hire the best talent, you need to be a strategic interviewer. And I would describe strategic interviewers as genuinely curious, eager to learn, patient, and persistent. They're also critical listeners who are highly observant. So I would coach anyone wanting to be a strategic interviewer for talent to do two critical things. And the first may seem obvious, but the first is you need to know what you're looking for. And that means having a thorough understanding of the job description for the role, which if you're at the interviewing stage, hopefully is already figured out by now. um, And it's been determined by the hiring manager or HR. And once that's figured out, you're the one about to conduct an interview, you need to really understand what is the job technically calling for and how will this role contribute to the organization once the person is here? Also, what outcomes or results does the organization need from this person? So if you get really in depth into that kind of purpose for the role, it's gonna give you a better idea of what you're looking for and what kinds of questions you're gonna need to ask. So it's good to get a sense of the ideal candidate profile and what that looks like. In executive search, we would look for kind of three things, the can do, the will do, and the fit. And so the can do is the competencies. What competencies does this person need to have? What educational background or training? What experience do they need to have under their belt or credentials? So it's kind of what do they already bring to the table in their past? that shows what they can do. What they will do is is more of the personality that this person has. Uh, Do they have a positive attitude? Are they persistent? Are they determined? Are they intelligent? Like this is going to give you an idea of what that person is capable of down the road. An example of that would be like a project manager needs to be persistent and positive in order to influence others uh, to move projects forward in a timely and efficient fashion. So that's can do and will do. Then there's fit, which you guys talked about a lot in the last episode. And that's really what values and behaviors does this person need to demonstrate in order to kind of fit in with the shared values, shared cultural beliefs of the organization. So an example of that would be in an organization that values innovation and trying new things and use failure as a chance to learn. Um, It might be difficult for someone who values like precision and the status quo, and they like to take their time to get things done right. So that just shows you how different behaviors can either align and fit within an organization. 
I love so, that. I love how you just have such a great way of just like bucketing things so it makes sense. The the can do, the will do, and the fit. I think those really tell the picture of, you know, looking at a person and people being more skilled in interviewing and knowing that you need to go through those three things and, and really assess at a higher level if you're going to get the right strategic hire especially, you know, when we talked about how expensive it is to turn someone over. Um, Mm -hmm. Many, many times I've talked to people and they've interviewed with somebody from HR. And it's more about can the person do the job, you know, and it it can be so much broader than that. Absolutely. So knowing what you're looking for, like you said, is much more than just knowing on paper what this person needs to have. So it is a lot broader. And then once you know what you're looking for, the second thing you need to do to be a strategic interviewer is to develop questions that are strategic and targeted to what you need to learn. So uh, you consider what it is you need to learn or know about the candidate. Is it a can do? Is it a will do? Is, Is it a fit question? And then frame it in a way that will get you the information that you're seeking. Let's go back to the project manager example. If you want to find out if they're persistent, positive, and influential, a strategic targeted question could be, when projects slow down or get stuck, how have you pushed forward? Can you share an example of a time where you did that? That kind of gets you towards that and gets them talking about that part of their uh, personality and their approach to their past roles. It gives you a sense of how they might be in this new role. So I would say in asking strategic questions, you need to have at least one question to cover the different key topics of what you need to learn about the candidate. And you can base that off of the job description. In being strategic, that means being purposeful with every question that you ask. So don't ask a question just for the sake of asking it. You want to make it relevant and make it count. People like to ask obscure questions. Um, Like I've had somebody ask me in an interview, what kind of a door would you be and why? (laughs) I was so thrown by it because I I was too busy wondering, what is this going to tell you about me? (laughs) You know, like you're Um, analyzing yourself before you even say anything, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just was really distracting. And you just want to make sure what you're asking has a purpose. I know companies like Google are well known for asking those silly questions, but those, those companies know what they're doing. They're doing it well because they actually know what they're looking for when they're watching a candidate answer that type of a question. So as long as you're doing it for a reason and you're making it count and getting valuable information out of it, then it's going to be uh, more valuable to you. Great advice. So maybe we'll look at the flip side is what are some of the most common mistakes interviewers make during the interview process? Along the flip side, you could probably guess that the two huge mistakes uh, involve not asking strategic questions. The first mistake is sticking to prepared or generic questions without asking probing questions. You need to be actively engaged in the conversation and listen carefully to candidates' answers to your questions. You don't just want to keep going through the list of questions that you already have. You have to make sure that what they give you as an answer covers what you're actually asking, or if there's an opportunity to dig deeper into that topic, 
to uncover more valuable information that's going to help you make a decision about whether or not they're a fit for the role. So here's an example. The interviewer says, tell me about a time when you were responsible for making a critical hiring decision. And the candidate says, my company was hiring a vice president of sales, and we had been looking for the right candidate for months. We had a candidate that we liked a lot, but had some reservations about, which made it a tough decision. Ultimately, we ended up giving them the offer, and it worked out okay. So that's what the candidate says. The interviewer could reply, what were some of your reservations about the candidate? Or what were you looking for in a VP of sales? Or you said the search was taking months. Why was that? So you can see how there were opportunities in the candidate's answer to dig for more and get beyond the surface level. Yeah, that's a great example. And I I think, again, if you're someone that interviews across the board for different positions in your organization, it really is taking that time and thinking about that role, what the job fit is, who's that ideal candidate. And like you said, it's it's staying actively engaged and listening because you could be missing some valuable information. And as we said in our last episode is, you know, job fit is both ways. If you don't really seem as engaged and interested and you're just reading through the interview questions that should be a guide but end up being your script, what kind of impression is that candidate having about you and your organization as well? Exactly. Yeah. And if you're actively engaged in the conversation and probing for more information, that's going to show that you're listening and you're interested in what they're saying and that you're not just here to ask some questions and go back to your day job. (laughs) It's going to help build that rapport with the candidate. And then at the end of the day, it is going to give you the information that you need to make that decision they have to make. One thing to look out for, though, is because probing questions are made up on the spot in the moment in the conversation, you're more likely to fall into the second trap that interviewers get themselves in. And mistake number two is asking closed or leading questions when you might have been better off uh, asking neutral or open-ended questions. So let's talk about some of those different types of questions. And this is really getting into the basics of asking questions, framing questions, and communication. Which is always a good reminder for all of us. Absolutely. I see some very skilled interviewers still make these types of mistakes, especially in the moment when they haven't prepared for probing questions. Closed questions limit the type of answer that you get. So that's pretty obvious, right? A yes or no question, either or question, or just like a short answer. So an example is, have you ever been responsible for creating a product roadmap? If you're going to ask this, you should probably follow up with a probing question, like, tell me more about your responsibilities. (laughs) Um, Or you can just improve the original question by saying, tell me about your knowledge or experience with creating product roadmap. Definitely is going to give you a lot more information. Leading questions are a type of closed question that not only limits the answer that you get, but it implies the answer that you're looking for. And you're kind of leading them to a socially desirable response. I tell my students that yes or no questions almost always have one socially desirable answer that people will gravitate towards. So you're less likely to get an honest answer. An example would be, isn't that training program awesome? So 
they're not going to want to say no, <laughs> especially in an interview. So don't tempt them with the answer that it sounds like you want. Open it up. So say, what did you think of that training program? Definitely going to give a better opportunity for an honest answer. Then there's guessing questions. And these are uh, incredibly unproductive and distracting. I hear these all the time. You hear them a lot in social conversations because people are like looking for ways to like show that they're relating to you or that you have something in common. Like, did you have Professor Gasser while you were at Villanova? You're fishing for commonalities, but you know, you would probably rather in a job interview setting say, tell me about your favorite professor you had while at Villanova, because it's going to tell you more about that candidate and their preferences rather than just finding out a yes or no answer. Another example is kind of a guessing question that's either or. So if you said, did you feel pressured because of your boss or the short timeline? Why are you giving them only two options, right? Instead, you could say, you said you felt pressured. Why was that? That way you're getting their words, not yours. When you ask closed or leading or guessing questions, you miss out on hearing how the candidate thinks and processes things, how they speak and the words they use, their body language. So you wanna ask neutral, open-ended questions that'll get them talking and make sure you're listening and probing for more. Great information. And for our listeners that are trying to write down this information, we'll make sure that we follow up with a a link to a document that kind of describes all of these questions, these three types of questions and some examples, because I think that would be really helpful is to go back and look at the questions that you do ask and see, you know, where they fall. Because I tell you, I started in uh, my first corporate role out of the restaurants of McDonald's was in HR, and I did interviews nonstop. I would just help hire managers. And sometimes you get a candidate that you just connect with, and you want them to say the right things, and you almost could set them up with leading questions, too. So I think it's really important to... To know yourself and and know what kind of questions that you uh, are asking and need to be asking. Yes, definitely. Let's say uh, we have an interviewer and and they make some of these mistakes. Have you seen consequences of that playing out, you know, if the candidate is hired? Yeah, I mean, if you spend the whole interview guessing or asking leading questions, you're not really getting to know the candidate. You're making it more about you and the conversation and less about them. And so the way that plays out badly is you're just going to end up with someone that you only had a good conversation with and misinterpreted that for quality interview that assesses fit. They get into the actual job. You liked the conversation, but you might find out the way they actually work isn't what you expected or what the team needed, which is going to cause tension. And that's just going to start building up uh, negativity and, you know, down the road that, candidates either going to realize they're not the fit for the role or existing team members might be like, if this is the type of person we're hiring, I'm out. So you don't want to cloud your judgment by these interviews that are not focused on learning the right things and not focused on hearing the candidates' words, ways of interpreting things, and um, how they describe their experience. What if you have a candidate 
And it's really hard to control the conversation. They want to share so much. And at times you feel like they're taking control. So as an interviewer, how can you maintain control of the conversation? The best way to try to prevent that kind of thing from happening is to set out expectations at the beginning of the interview, what your purpose of the interview is. Tell them what you hope to learn from them, how long you expect it to take. You can even talk about some of the topics that you're going to talk about. And if you do that confidently and set those expectations at the beginning, you're giving them an idea of how long it's going to take. So they don't feel like they have to fill the time about one topic. They can instead feel like, okay, they want to talk about all these other things. I'm still on this topic. I should probably be more concise. Another thing that can help is to use clear transitions in between the topics. So that way they can follow along. They know where you're at in the interview, how much time they might need to leave for a certain topic so they can be more conscientious about it. The last thing I would say to maintain control is going to feel kind of backwards, but to be patient. Even if they're talking a lot, it's better to not interrupt them uh, while they're still answering a question because you want to make sure they don't feel like they have to fight for airtime. And then you're ultimately going to make it harder to maintain the conversation later if they feel like, oh, if I don't say everything, I might not get a chance later. So give them time to think about their answer. Don't jump in before they've finished uh, and just try to be patient and move it along by staying organized. Great, great tips. So what types of interviews do you think are the most productive for various situations? It's going to depend on where you are in the process with a candidate. It actually probably starts, if you're the hiring manager, it starts with interviewing internal stakeholders about what you're looking for in the candidate. So that's a type of interview that we don't really think about as much because it's not more traditional sounding, but you are going to need to ask strategic questions of the person who this reports to or the senior leader that's associated with that team or even some of the peers to find out what do you need from this person? What are they going to need to accomplish? And if you get that cleared up ahead of time, then you know what you're looking for when you start to actually interview candidates. Then you get into screening interviews, and that's usually highly open-ended your information gathering, information confirming, and just trying to get an initial sense of their qualifications and their interest level. So those screening interviews tend to be a little different from, let's say, these evaluation or assessment interviews, which is what we've mostly been talking about. And that's where you've established that they're qualified for the role, but you really need to test their stuff. And you need to ask them a little more challenging questions, dig deeper. Uh, You may even want to ask some leading questions just to see how they act under pressure. But again, do that strategically. And that's going to get you a sense that you're validating that you've gathered the right information about that candidate. And that's crucial at that phase. There are then technical interviews, which are more rigorous, detailed. You're testing them and putting them through case studies or making them do presentations. And this is getting a chance to see them in action. It's not a traditional interview, but the way you set that up, it needs to be strategic as well. If you're putting someone through all of those, you probably want to balance it out with a casual interview. And that gives it a chance to be a little more laid back. So if you put, you know, 
a talkative, friendly colleague in the room with the candidate, giving them a chance to kind of breathe a little bit, show their more relaxed side. Uh, that gives you a more well-rounded sense of the person rather than just when they're on all the time. So there's always a balance of those different types of interviews. It just depends on, again, your purpose and what you want to learn and get out of that person in that interview. I really didn't even think about all those as interview opportunities, but you think about asking the right questions. I wanted to go back to one of the things that you talked about is, you know, asking the right kind of questions. And you mentioned leading questions if you're looking for some information, because I never really thought about asking leading questions. Can we go back and revisit that and you give us an example about when an interviewer might want to ask leading questions? You would want to ask a leading question when you want to see how the candidate acts under pressure. You might ask a question that is leading towards an answer that sounds like you want them to say that, but you actually are looking for them to say the opposite and to push back on you because that's going to demonstrate to you how that person is in being diplomatic or in disagreeing because it's super important to know how people disagree. It happens at work all the time. You don't want someone who is always going to tell you what you want to hear. You want someone who can respectfully disagree. So asking a leading question that implies a socially desirable answer Um, but you're actually trying to get them to disagree with you can give you a sense of that person's personality from that perspective. If you don't ask those strategic right questions, you may miss something. So really, I like, exactly. I just like your approach and, and thinking through all the different types of interviews and which ones do you need. And like we talked on our last uh, episode is a variety of them may help. So the screening at the beginning and then as you get your top candidates looking at what interviews with whom would be the best way to ensure that the right candidate is ultimately hired. Definitely. I think too often, especially people who aren't hiring managers, it's not what they do every day is interviewing people. They get kind of stuck in this rut of doing the same type of interview for every candidate. Like, oh, I'll look at their resume 10 minutes before the interview, and then I'll just come up with some questions on the spot, which doesn't let the candidate feel like you care about them being there. It doesn't help you find the information that you need about the candidate. And it ultimately is going to waste your time, the candidate's time, and the hiring manager's time. So it's much better to know what you're trying to look for, come to that interview prepared with questions, and give that candidate the opportunity to share the information with you that you need. So let's flip things and discuss things from the interviewee's perspective, since we have many people, yeah, many people who are always looking to grow in advance and are being interviewed and aspiring and up and coming talent champions in our audience today. So let's touch on nerves because so many people who are capable and confident can get incredibly anxious and nervous and maybe their true self really doesn't come through in that interview. So how do you coach your students and those that you're working with to control those nerves in the interview? That's such a great question. I think that obviously we're all going to go through interviews at some point in time and be on that end of it where we have to be the one that's on and trying to present our best selves and that can be a lot of pressure, especially when you have a lot 
on the line with a certain opportunity or if it's something that you really, really want. So what I tell my students is that every interview is a chance to learn. And even if it somehow goes horribly wrong, which is unlikely, even though it always feels like it's going to, even if it goes horribly wrong, you're going to learn something from the experience and that's going to make you better for next time. Not everything is relying on this one interview that you have. And if it goes bad, you get a fun story to tell. So <laughs> I know we've probably all had at least one bad job interview story. So it'll give you one to share when people are sharing at some point. But I also remind them that you shouldn't try to be someone you're not. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to answer every question exactly the way you think they're going to want it. You just have to bring the best version of yourself in that moment to that conversation and just be confident in who you are. Because if you pretend to be someone you're not, they're not going to get the right impression of you. And you might get yourself into a situation where it's not a good fit and ultimately you're going to be unhappy. So it's better to just stay true to who you are and show the best version of yourself. Yeah, Great advice. The other thing I tell people is just think... Uh, pay attention to the self-talk that's going on in your head because sometimes we can get ourselves worked up like oh I don't know I didn't do a good job on the last interview I don't know if I'll be able to do this or you know maybe I'm not the most qualified and if it's negative that starts to secrete those hormones Mm -hmm. and stress in your body and your body starts to look stressed or your voice goes up because you're not breathing and all of those things so I tell people like think about why you are the best candidate for the job and remind yourself in the moments when you start to feel a little anxious and remember to breathe breathing will help if you start to feel a little sweaty or nervous is just take take something in with you and take a drink and breathe and and I promise right in most cases you'll at Mm -hmm. least feel a little better yeah you got to pump yourself up a little bit if you need to maybe step outside of yourself and talk to yourself like you would a friend who was nervous about a job interview and just tell yourself the things you would tell a friend and sometimes that helps too for us to get out of our own head. I love that because we all give great advice. We just don't always follow it, right? That's a great perspective. I'm going to steal that from you. (laughs) It's so true. I'm guilty of it myself. So So how should a candidate ideally prepare for an interview? This is going to sound cliche, but you need to practice and know what you want to talk about and what you want to highlight about yourself ahead of time. So one thing I tell my students is you need to do research on the company and know what's going on with them in the news, know what their history is, try to understand what their products are, their services, or what they do. And what opportunities there are for them as well. So know the company really, really well and come prepared with some questions that you want to ask about the company or the opportunity or the people that work there. But make sure it isn't something that you can find out on your own beforehand. So definitely do your research. You also want to know yourself and your resume. What do you think they'll want to know about you? What do you anticipate they're going to ask about? Just have all of that stuff in your mind and highlight those things about you and your experience that you can bring to the table. Kind of along those lines is to have stories to tell. Let's go back to the project manager example. Have some stories about some challenges you had while working on projects or interacting with other teams. And if you have those stories ready to go, you don't have to come up with it on the spot. 
So I would say prepare by having those stories and those examples. And finally, I think this is kind of goes across the whole process of applying for jobs is know what the company is looking for and paint the picture of yourself in that role. So what will you do for them? I tell my students too often the cover letters are about them and their experience and what they want. And it's just a reiteration of their resume. But the cover letter, that is your magical opportunity to tell the company why you're the best person for the role and what you are going to bring to them and what you're going to do for them. So paint the picture of yourself in that role in the cover letter and in the interview, because that's what they're looking for. They are looking to see how you fit with the role. So if you connect the dots for them, it makes it easier. Wow, just such terrific advice. Again, audience, we promise we will get you all of these uh, fabulous tidbits. I mean, I think we've heard do your research um, and come prepared with questions. But I tell you, based on the number of people I've interviewed and talked to after they've been interviewed, when I ask them whether I was the interviewer and I'm saying what questions did you have or what questions did you ask? And some of the people will just say, I couldn't come up with anything. And and that doesn't oh, no. look good. No. So you've, you've got to have a few. And I like what you said is, you know, make them questions that they just can't find easily, that others couldn't find easily on the internet or whatever. Use it as a chance to really find out something about the company and whether or not you want to work there. Exactly. Yeah, you're touching on what I would say is the most common mistake people make that can cost them opportunities is not coming to the interview prepared with thoughtful and strategic questions for the organization. If you're wondering what type of thing to ask about, you want to think what's important for you to know before you make the commitment to join and ask those types of questions. I like Um, the way you frame that question because it really is about you thinking through and being prepared and and what questions would you ask based on what you need to know, you know, to make the best decisions. And and the other other thing that I love, I really didn't think about the cover letter, paint the picture of you in the role so -hmm. that they can start making the connections because I've Mm -hmm. read a lot of, of cover letters. And like you said, it's just a reiteration in many cases of their resume. But explain why you're that great fit. I really like that. Another mistake related to that is making the conversation or the question you ask the company more about themselves when you really, again, need to flip it around to questions that are going to demonstrate that you're the best person for the company. So if you ask a question at the end of the interview, how would you describe the most successful employees at this company? Wow, that's impressive. It shows not only that you care about that kind of a thing, but that you really want to get a sense of what excellence looks like at that organization. Much more thoughtful question than something about benefits or work-life balance and things like that. I love that. That really flips the table. Now who's nervous to answer, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But yeah, you, you obviously don't want to put your interviewer on the spot, but show that you are thoughtful and very much thinking about yourself in this position. And this is important for you to know. So I also think that this is so important that in my class that I teach this, I have my students do mock job interviews in front of the entire class at the end of the semester. If you think 
interviewing for jobs is intimidating enough. Try doing it in front of your entire class in college. Um, <laughs> That's worse than even doing a presentation, right? <laughs> I know it is. It's very vulnerable. And I tell them that up front. And of course, they're scared. And I tell them that that's okay, because if you can get through this, you're going to learn so much and you are going to get an experience that other people don't get, which is being a fly on the wall during an interview. So you're going to watch everyone else do this and you might hear something that you're like, I thought that was a good thing to say, but hearing someone else say it, it does not sound right. So it, it's a really good learning opportunity. But my point is I grade the interviewee on whether or not they ask a question at the end and how quality that question is. So I reinforce that with my students because I just think that's so critical and I would hate for them to get to a job interview and miss that opportunity because it is a costly mistake. Well, I love the one that you uh, gave us in the example. I'm going to use that with the people I'm coaching as well. (laughs) Great. Awesome. Good. Are there any other common mistakes that people make Uh, when they actually are going through the interview that might cost them the opportunity to get hired? I would say in addition to not asking questions, not showing enough interest can also cost you the opportunity. Some people are more enthusiastic than others, but I think it's really important to make sure that you reiterate your interest and explain why you think this is a good fit for both you and the organization. But if you just think, oh, well, they must know I'm interested. I showed up for this interview. That's not going to be enough. So you have to really make sure that you show that you're interested and that you really want the opportunity. Otherwise, they might go for somebody who's demonstrating that more clearly. Yeah. The other thing that I have heard people uh, complain about or state after an interview is, I just didn't feel like I was connecting with the interviewer. And in most Mm. of those cases, the person doesn't get hired. And so one of the things that I really coach talent leaders to do when you are looking for that right fit is try to make the person feel comfortable when they're coming in because then their true self comes out. But also, mm-hmm. if you're going in to be interviewed, try to connect with the person that you're going to be interviewing with. It's the eye contact. It's, you know, making some small talk so it doesn't, so you feel like you're having a conversation and a connection. Because I've seen it time and time again, if there's two great candidates and they both meet the qualifications, the interviewer tends to go with that candidate that they liked or connected with. I don't know if that's tried and true or real life information that more people hire who they they actually like, but trying to connect will help you be more comfortable so your real self comes through. And then I think it also helps the person who's interviewing to make sure that they really get to, you know, see the person so they make the right decision. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to just hire people that you like because then you don't know if they're going to be a good fit. But you want to be liked and stand out from the others so that if it comes down to, wow, these both people would be a great fit. This one person stood out as very enthusiastic, very passionate. And I connected with this person that will inevitably stand out more than just another candidate. 
Is there anything we haven't covered that you think would be important to share with our audience in the realm of asking the best questions you get the information you need to make strategic decisions? Yes. What I want people to take away from this is that you don't have to be a hiring manager or an HR to be a strategic interviewer. And you can be successful beyond employment interviews with this strategy. You really just have to take it back to knowing what you want, what your purpose is, and then asking questions that get you to that. I have a couple examples of different types of roles where you can lay out your purpose and then ask the type of questions to get you there. I come back to this one a lot because it's what I do every day. You have product management. As a product manager, my purpose is to identify customer problems that can be solved through a product. And if that's my purpose, my questions need to be open-ended. They need to be extremely neutral because I don't want to assume anything or lead the customers in any particular direction. And I also want to probe for more. I don't want to just take them at the surface level answer. I want to really dig deeper into the root of the issues or problems that they're having so that I can make sure that I'm solving the real problem. That's a product manager example. When there's sales, your purpose is to close sales, right? (laughs) And the way that you can effectively do that through strategic questions are to ask discovery questions that help you understand the problem. So you want to start open-ended, but then you want to guide them to your solution with more consultative questioning. So leading questions can be really good in sales because once you've identified the problem, presented them with a solution, you can say, do you see how buying this product will solve the problem you described? So you're getting them to that. Yes, that is socially desirable. They hopefully do see that. And then you're helping close the sale. So leading questions can have that benefit in a sales type position. And then more generally, an example, if you're a manager, let's say your purpose may be to find out the root cause of an issue that your team is struggling with. Then you need to ask strategic questions that help get you honest answers that are not leading and not guessing. You don't want to assume what the problem is. You don't want to lead them towards a socially desirable answer that is to please you or not make you mad. You really just want them to be honest and open. So you want to ask neutral, open-ended questions to get at that information. You've definitely broadened my perspective of interview questions. And it's not just about a job interview. It is about getting the right information, connecting with people in the right way, and knowing what kind of questions you are asking or you need to be asking. Yes, exactly. I I tell my students that on day one, this is about so much more than job interviews, and it can be applied in a variety of different settings. Mm Well, what final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions? Be curious and be open and try not to take it too seriously. You obviously want to be serious enough to come prepared, be strategic and be thoughtful, but it doesn't have to be perfect. As long as you know what you're trying to learn and you're open to learning and asking questions that get you to that, you're going to be successful in any situation being the interviewer or the interviewee. Great advice. So how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn more from you? Definitely LinkedIn. I'm certainly not on it as frequently as I was when I was a recruiter, but 
you can definitely reach me on there. I do like to check that from time to time. And obviously, that's how you and I met. So I certainly love it as an opportunity to network and meet people. Well, thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you back on as a guest. And you have shared so wonderful. Yes, you've shared so much great information that I know is going to make our audience be even more successful. And we will make it easy for them to get information from you uh, based on signing up at our website uh, to receive the bonus information. So thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, it's been awesome to be back on. Thank you, Diana. We packed a lot of practical tips and advice into this episode, so please visit our website, talent-champions.com, to access a free download that will help you prepare for and perform better during interviews, whether you're the interviewee or the interviewer. Here's a quick summary of the takeaways. Strategic interviewers are eager to learn, patient, and persistent. They listen carefully, and they know what they're looking for. That includes assessing what the candidate can do or technical competencies and will do or attitude and personality. From here, strategic interviewers are prepared with strategic, targeted questions to assess both what the candidate can and will do. Finally, strategic interviewers are purposeful. They know what they're trying to accomplish with each question and they don't ask a question just for the sake of asking it. One of the biggest mistakes in interviewing is sticking to a script. Yes, you need to be prepared, but you should also engage with the candidate and ask probing questions as they arise in the conversation. Another mistake is asking closed, leading, or guessing questions that limit the type of answer you'll get or encourages the candidate to answer in a certain way. Unless it's intentional, keep your questions open and neutral. Different types of interviews are appropriate at different phases of the interview process. Think through the purpose and objective to plan out what type of interview fits where. We'll all find ourselves on the other side of the table at some point, being interviewed. See every interview as a chance to learn, and don't try to bring perfection. Stay true to yourself in order to find a role that's a true fit for you. Come prepared and practice. Research publicly available information about the company and ask questions that you just can't find in a Google search. I love Ariane's suggestion of asking what success looks like for the people in the company. Show genuine interest and make an effort to connect with the interviewer. As I mentioned at the beginning, Check out episode 11 of Talent Champions, where Ariane shared more information about strategic communication. These two episodes fit together very nicely. So thank you, Ariane. Come back in two weeks when I'll be talking with Liz Wiseman. She's the author of Multipliers, about how the best leaders make everyone smarter. So subscribe on our website, talent-champions.com, to receive an email notification when that episode is released. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show, please visit talent-champions.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcast, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.